Welcome to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Join me every week to explore and demystify the world of modern spirituality. This week, I interview Hannah Johnson of Hannah Johnson Coaching. Hannah is a spiritual awakening coach and healer, and she's someone I have been following and listening to for a while now. Hannah is a podcast host. Her podcast is called Your Spiritual BFF, and it's so appropriately named because Hannah feels immediately like a good friend when you listen to her speak about spirituality. I absolutely love her vibe, and this has always drawn me into her. So Hannah is very open, vulnerable, and real in this conversation. It's really beautiful. She opens up about spiritual awakening, her experience coming out of the spiritual closet, and we get deep into inner child healing, the Akashic records, just discussing how all of this works. And Hannah brings these sort of complicated topics down to earth in a clear, grounded way so you can understand what she's talking about. Hannah and I just vibe. It's like we speak the same language, and I feel like this episode is so grounded, so refreshing, and so honest about the spiritual path and the spiritual journey. So I will stop talking and let you enjoy this interview with Hannah Johnson. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me this week. And I'm so excited to have Hannah Johnson on the podcast this week. Hannah is just amazing. I know we're going to learn so much from her. So Hannah, welcome. Thank you, Brittany. I'm so excited to be here on your podcast this time for a change. Yes, this is so fun. So Hannah, to get started, could you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yes, I would love to. I'm Hannah Johnson. I'm a spiritual awakening coach and healer. Uh, I guide people in their spiritual awakening journeys and that ends up looking like a lot of healing work. I discovered, you know, when I went to start doing energy work and, and coaching together, I said, you know what, I'm going to do the two of these together. So I became a Reiki practitioner and I support people on their healing paths and to connect with their intuition. Um, and I totally believe that spirituality is as unique to each person and their lived experience as possible. So I don't do like a one size fits all approach. That's why I say, you know, it's, it's a healing work, it's coaching work. And I especially work with people like with their inner child healing, nervous system work, energy healing. Those are really big cornerstones for me in my work. So this looks like folks working with me and in intuitive coaching sessions. And it's a mixture of coaching and energy work. I find energy work, right? Like I'm a Reiki practitioner, but it's really about like alchemy and alchemizing, like what's coming up in present moment. And calling parts of ourselves back to the present moment, you know, with inner child work that I do with folks. Um, I find it's often connected with people's inner child or their younger selves, however you like to look at it. And through the work I do with people, I, you know, I essentially, I call inner child work time travel. Mm. And it's like, we're traveling back in time to bring these parts of us back that have been left behind or still holding um, some wounding from the past and causing some like inner dissonance. And so a lot of people that start like a personal development journey find me and they realize, oh, I'm really on a 
spiritual path. And so I do the combo of like that personal work and then it inevitably ends up being a spiritual journey uh, for folks. So I love the combination of traditional coaching, energy work and alchemization, just kind of the way that that supports people in coming back to their most present, mature, adult-centered selves so that they can tap into their spiritual selves as well. Ooh, yes. Oh, this is why I wanted to have you on the show because you and I speak the same language. This is so good. (laughs) Okay. So you covered so many interesting things there. Um, Let's start with, if someone comes to you, you mentioned that sometimes people come to you and they're more on a personal development journey, but then they realize they're on a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. So could you share some of like the telltale signs that people are in the early stages of spiritual awakening? Yes, absolutely. I have found that folks that start to wonder if they're on a spiritual awakening are experiencing things like chaos in their life, an upheaval of a job, relationship, identity crisis. They're recognizing that the way that they have been living or the way that their family of origin lived is not the way they necessarily agree with or want to follow that path. Um, they, it's almost like you can feel yourself also like withdrawing from maybe the life even you wanted for your, you want for yourself too. Like these are really common indicators for beginning a spiritual awakening. Mm, Okay. That was definitely very true for me and my experience, my experience involved. I mean, really all of that, including like divorce, career change, all kinds of, all kinds of things like that. So that's, that's really interesting. The chaos. Yes. Um, yeah, that totally, totally resonates. So did you, when you were in your spiritual awakening and I'm just, this is total curiosity question. At what point did you realize it was a spiritual awakening and not like just a personal development journey? Like I'm not just changing, but I'm having a spiritual awakening was, or was there a point where you realized that? Oh yeah, there was definitely a point where I realized that. And it came at the time when I was leaving a career that I wanted since I was literally five years old. I knew I always wanted to be a teacher. So I went to school to be a teacher. Um, I uh, kindergarten through third grade. So I taught littles or actually preschool. I, I actually went to school for birth through kindergarten, um, child development. And so I taught wow. in preschools for a while. And then I even taught kindergarten and first grade as well. And so I got out of school. I only taught for the public schools for two years after graduating college university. So I was quite young and realizing like, I don't think this is what I want to do forever. So it was like a career and an identity crisis mixed in one, because this is the only thing I'd ever wanted so badly since I was five years old. I knew what I wanted. Wow. And I had this crisis of identity. And then at the same time, I was, I was dealing with a lot of complex PTSD that was undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that that was sneaking up for me, but I was having um, a lot of inner dissonance and like clashing from who I truly authentically was and the trauma that I was dealing with inside that I, I had started therapy a little bit at the same time. So therapy was a part of my journey and recognizing this was a spiritual awakening, the career change and totally identity crisis and being like a young adult in the quote unquote real world, all of Mm -hmm. it kind of culminated into the perfect storm for me. And thinking about when I started realizing, oh, this is a spiritual thing. 
it's funny enough, I, the therapist I found who I just adore, I just, oh, I just adore. And it was traditional talk therapy and EMDR trauma therapy as well. She ended up introducing me to Reiki. And so she was my Reiki practitioner as well. I was so fortunate to find someone who kind of have a, had an evolutionary approach to the therapeutic setting. And so when I started discovering little nuggets here and there about manifestation, energy work, Reiki, crystals, like little things just started coming into my world. And I realized, why is this all happening at the same time? Like this can't be a coincidence that all of this is converging at the same time, this perfect storm where I felt like my life was a shit show. And the funny thing is like, I say that where I felt like my life was a shit show, but I was about to, I had just not gotten engaged to my now husband. Like I had great things going for me. I, mm -hmm. I mean, we had just moved to, to Charlotte, North Carolina. I just gotten a job, like all these great things have been happening to me. So I wasn't the picture of just doom and gloom and like chaos. If you saw me during those years, you would think, oh, she's got it all together. She's, she's uh -huh. good. Like she's so successful. She's so lovely. She's bubbly, all these things. And Yes, those things were true. And I was experiencing this inner dissonance where I was dealing with some really, really tough shit. And like my trauma was really surging up for me to have some deep healing and there was no avoiding it. And it all happened at the same time, the perfect storm. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I can relate to that. And the thing there that's so interesting that you touched on is how, how this, so much of this is internal. So much of the spiritual journey is internal. I think that a lot of times, especially when you're, well, we all do this, but especially when you're newer to the spiritual community, I think it's easy to like, look out at the sea of Instagram accounts and be like, oh, wow, look at, they've got, they've got their shit all together. I'm a mess. I feel crazy. But yes. the reality is they do too. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. And that's yeah. why I think like accessibility, like these conversations are so important. Even yeah. now you look at me and I have a business and I'm full-time with my, my healing business, my coaching business. Now I don't have all my shit together either. Like right. I'm still on this journey. It's, the work is never over. And so that's why it's so important for me to be real. And I think you're right, Brittany, you and I speak the same language so that we can let our communities know. And, and those listening here or over on Instagram, wherever, like this is like still, we're still real people like moving through our alchemization and through like the spiral of healing, you know? Yes. Like I saw your posts today about how you got overstimulated doing, creating a reel. Yes. I thought that was so brilliant and you had to regulate your nervous system and it was just so awesome. Like sharing the real deal. Oh, the real deal. I'm all about the real deal. Let's make this relatable as possible, as accessible as possible for people and like talking like real terms and real words. Even though sometimes we talk about spiritual things that can be very up here and woo woo. And I always, it's so important for me to make them accessible because they didn't always feel accessible to me when I first entered the spiritual community, to be honest with you. It just felt like I need a dictionary on all of these terms, all of these words. I need a reference sheet. I need all of this, which is why I run my business and my own podcast the way I do to be that reference sheet, to be like yes. that dictionary for people to help them navigate what I think the barrier to entry sometimes can feel a little intimidating to, in the spiritual world. I think that's shifting. I'm so grateful. Thank, thanks yeah. to people like you, people like me and the work that we do together and collaborate and getting the the relatability factor included in here. It's just so important. Yes. I often sort of refer to it as like the corner of the spiritual world. That's really grounded. 
Yeah. Like grounded spirituality. I feel like we're in that little corner and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Ooh, I just got chills. Yes. 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 So much. Yes. To that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, yep. I love that. Um, okay. So you also touched on something that I want to hear more about that has been super transformative for me. And that is inner child work. And you kind of touched on that when you were talking about your own, um, like CPTSD, I'm, I would imagine that there was inner child work that you did there. Oh, it felt like all inner child work, (laughs) that piece. Right. And, you know, for me and my intuition is very visual. And Mm -hmm. so my healing journey was very visual. So, and a lot of people struggling with PTSD or symptoms of that too. Like you need to think about like flashbacks and like feeling like you're in those moments, like your body doesn't recognize it's here in, you know, February 16th, 2023 at 6 PM it, you know, you're back in time. And so that's why I call inner child work time travel, because it's literally taking these, these somatic experiences we're having in this moment that are not rooted in the current present moment. They're rooted in years and years and years ago. And from trauma long past, that's still coming through the nervous system and coming through your energy body as well. So I have a background in child development, birth through kindergarten. And, um, that, I, when I left teaching, I was like, how the hell, like, I'm so passionate about children and families. So I'm still to this day, so passionate about it. And people hear me talk about it. They're like, how are you not a teacher anymore, Hannah? How are you, how do you not work with families? Like I work with children within adults. I work with people's inner children. And I never imagined when I was having the identity crisis in 2017, Yes. In 2017, I could have never imagined like, how will I apply my life's work that far? I mean, I know it sounds dramatic. I was 24 ish, but I mean, truly since I was five years old, I knew I was so passionate about this over and over and over Mm -hmm. throughout the years and just finding ways to do be, be a teacher before I was like through college. Like I was finding ways to impact families and children. I could have, I wish I could go back and tell her, tell that, that girl that was having this identity crisis and sobbing because she was leaving teaching and couldn't handle it anymore. And it just was not in the environment in which I could justify continuing working in the education systems and just the things that like was un, truly intolerable for me. I wish I could go back and tell her, like, you are going to be making so much of an impact from children, from years ago and affecting their adult selves in such positive way. So when I, for me with inner child work, so much of it, yes, was with my trauma work and the complex PTSD and my experience of that and calling all these parts back. Oh, I could get so emotional talking about it. Like calling all these parts back and visiting these younger parts of me that were like really stuck in the past and, and holding the woundings where her needs weren't met, where, you know, she was put in an unsafe situation. She was, um, you know, dealing with things that no child should have to deal with. And so when our child selves or any children experiences something that they can't comprehend or deal with, we find ways to cope because we're beautiful, incredible, resilient human beings and our nervous systems and our brains and our bodies find way to deal, to get through the hardest shit possible. And so, I can like, I could see my journey and there were like little, little paths leading me back to the youngest Hannah possible. And those moments where she was like waiting on me to come back and who, and Aww. rescue her and love her and give her exactly what she needed. Excuse me. <laughs> I didn't anticipate to get. Oh, it's beautiful. 
how emotional, but this is like the power of this work is like going back to those parts that felt like they couldn't manage, but they somehow incredibly did. And our inner children, they're not only holding the pain and the wounding from the past, but they are holding so much wisdom, so much wisdom for us that is transformative. And when we start working with and calling these parts of us back here in the present moment, we can show up as our mature adult centered, grounded selves and show, start showing up as our true, like authentic selves that is really been in here all along. And our, and when we call these parts back up to us home, these inner child parts, and, and we're creating healing and safety for them, we start collaborating with them and they are able to share their wisdom, their incredible, incredible wisdom with us. And we have like these extra parts of us back home and we're showing up more fully and wholly it's truly the most like transformative work that I've discovered. And I love sharing it with other people. It's, it's so incredible. It feels like, um, as you talk about that, what comes up for me is like deep authenticity because our child selves are, you know, our child selves are fresh out of the non-physical. So it's like, they're not so conditioned. That's right. So it's right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I've often thought about how, as I become more and more myself as a grown up, I feel closer and closer to the child version of me. It's like, oh, right. That thing that I loved when I was a kid, I'm doing that again. Yes. Oh my gosh. What are some of those things, Brittany, that you used to love doing as a kid? I'd love to hear young Brittany. What, what did she love? Writing. Oh, this is so lame. Get ready, everyone. (laughs) I, on summer vacation, I used to do book reports and on travel books for fun. I would actually do book reports and present them to my parents. Nobody was asking me to do this. I enjoyed it. I love this so much. Oh my gosh. The the little girl in me, I used to make my sister sit and and do like lessons with her when we were younger. She always had to be the student. I had to be the teacher. Oh yeah. I would have loved you. You would have just been, oh my gosh, I could see you as my little sister and just like yes. going in there and like, you're going to do your book report. I would have loved to hear your book report. This is the most nerdiest, cutest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it was, it was totally. And then what happened as a grown up is I became a professional travel blogger. <laughs> so hilarious, right? <laughs> Talk about authenticity. Your younger self is like, yes, I'm so glad we're doing this. You found a way to keep doing this. Yeah. Writing book reports for fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that so much. It's so precious. Oh, oh I would love to hear uh, one of yours. Although I guess you became a teacher and yours was, yeah, <laughs> yours was sitting people down and teaching them. And creating little quote unquote quizzes for her. Um, my dad had this old school desk. It was from like the old timey school desks, uh, all wood. And um, he, we had one, I don't know where he got it, but we, he, we would sit, I would make her sit in it and I would have a little whiteboard or like paper. And I would come up with these random spelling tests and quizzes for her, even though I probably couldn't even spell the words correctly. And she's a year and a half younger than me. Um, and she would do it. She would, she would sit there and I make her sit through school and I just loved it. And the other thing we would do sometimes is do talk show, which is so funny. I have a podcast now. Oh. I've just started interviewing people, but I would do this talk. Oh my gosh. I forgot about this, Brittany. Uh, we would do talk show and we would sit next to each other. And I was like, as if I was Oprah or Ellen, and I'm just sitting there like interviewing her. I was always the host. Okay. Never the, never the, the, <laughs> the, the guest. 
Um, so this is very full circle for me to be a guest on your podcast, but that was something my inner, oh. my child self. I love to do that too with my sister. Oh my gosh. I love that. What a trip. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Inner child, inner child work. So cool. Oh, you know what? One more thing I want to ask you about, about inner child work. This is like kind of a really out there question. Audience, just prepare yourselves. This is a little bit up, up and ungrounded, but okay. So if time is not actually linear, if everything's happening all at once, let's just say, let's play with this model for a moment then could that mean that when we do inner child healing, like when we return in our minds to a memory and we do some healing work with our child selves, is it possible that we're actually time traveling and changing the past on some level? (laughs) I mean, it's like that brain explode emoji. I mean, I, yes. Like, I don't just, everything in me when you said that was just like, Oh yeah. Like you're speaking truth. It feels like that to me. Like it has felt like that to me when I've done inner child work, where it actually feels like I truly changed my past. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm so speechless. Just, just taking this in and soaking this in it, it does. And you know, I, I feel like we, we hear that a lot, which is like, you know, can't change the past and all these things. When I've done inner child work, similarly, it feels like my past has changed because I'm experiencing it differently here in, you know, our adult present moment. And that feels like it's changed my perception, my, um, my nervous system has changed because you can have the memories, the memories don't go away. Even if the memory is similar, still something has changed. Something in the Mm -hmm. past has changed. And it's like your timeline healing. So I tell people, for instance, if we're in, in a session with somebody and where their five-year-old self, where they made an art project and their teacher or their parent said something or another student said something unkind or dismissive, and they felt really ashamed by what they had done. And we can kind of like pause, like when I do inner, inner child healing with people and we go back to these moments, we can kind of pause the scenario. It's like we press the pause button, only they can move. And it's like, what in this moment could have supported? What did you need? Can, can we take you out of this situation and meet your needs over here and protect and support and talk to that child self and let her express? So say that was at five years old and we do some of that work. Every version of you from five years old to the current moment is receiving that healing. Yes. That's like quantum healing. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. receiving a timeline healing from five all the way to six, seven, eight to your current day and even future, I would say talking about like, you know, time is it real and we're all, it's all like happening at the same time, right? Yeah. It's, it's all timeline healing. So every version yeah. of you before and even after that and beyond is receiving that healing in that moment. That's huge. Yeah. Huge. Powerful stuff. Everyone powerful get it, stuff. get in on some inner child healing. <laughs> It's powerful stuff, people. Like, yeah, yeah. And then we're like living more presently in in the present and in the future. And we're showing up. That's what I always say to people. You know, we think we're showing up as our mature adult selves, but in the moment that we're having an absolute meltdown, or we've been triggered by something that we're like, "Whoa, what the hell was that?" Or I snap at my partner, or I'm having a meltdown over doing something in my business, or I'm feeling overstimulated. I'm right back there in 1995. I'm right back there in 2001. I'm no longer here in the present, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Let's see. So something else I want to make sure 
that I get a chance to ask you about. This is a hard left turn, sort of. I know you do Akashic Record readings. It's only like a soft left turn, actually. So (laughs) could you tell us about the Akashic Records? What are they? Why do they matter? I love the Akashic Records. This is something that I have been doing now for a few years. I had been hearing about the Akashic Records probably towards the beginning of my journey. It felt way too out there for me. I was like, what the hell is that? Like, what do you mean the record of my soul? What do you mean? There's a book with everything I've ever said, felt, done, experienced, thought all it's all in a book. Okay. Whatever. And I remember (laughs) getting like little, little seeds were planted again and again. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Walk away from it. Not interested. Or I'd listen to a little bit here and there. And then it's so funny, everything I've ever said, oh, that's too weird. I end up like doing or experiencing or loving at some point. So if you're somebody who is kind of like, you know, side-eyeing Akashic Records or and something else in the spiritual realm, I guarantee you, you'll be discovering it and enjoying it and trying it out in a couple of years time. That's how it's been for my journey. So yep. now the Akashic Records, let's ground it a little bit because it, you know, I just described a little bit, which is it's the record of your soul. It's anything you've ever, ever, every life you've ever lived and the record of that life and how it can support you here and now. So when we access our records, we're getting this big giant book and we're getting access to every timeline, every lifetime to exist for our soul. And it holds so much wisdom so much wisdom. And when you go into the Akashic record, so that is like the place of Akasha. When we go there, it's like in another dimension, as I say it, some people believe it it lives in the Pleiadian star constellation. Um, You know, you're going to find a thousand different things if you Google this. This is just what's been true for me. And Brittany, I'll share uh, vulnerably. I was not taught the Akashic records. I, I did not take a course. I did not receive an activation from somebody here. Now, this is something I've been doing for like lifetimes that I stepped into it. I remember asking my healer mentor, like, can I do this? Like the Akashic records opened themselves to me on an Instagram live uh, several years ago. I was oh. on Instagram live and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in this person's records. Like so suddenly, and this is not something that normally happens to me. Like I'm not somebody who experiences, you know, UFOs or late alien life form or like things that seem quote unquote out there, very like woo woo, all these, all these things. I, and thank goodness it was a friend of mine who I was answering a question for, I think it was pulling Oracle cards and I was in her records and it startled me. And so I said like, no, thank you. I need to like get off this live before I can figure this out. So I called her after, again, I know her. And I said, can I tell you, um, I think I was just in your Akashic records during that Instagram live. And she's like, what? Tell me more. Of course she was very open to it. I said, I've never done this before. So can I just share a few things that was like really just coming through very quickly, just some like messages, images, and the way I was experiencing it. And after that, that's when I went to my healer mentor. I'm like, I'm feeling really called to do this for other people and to read their records with them for them. At first it was for them. Now I view doing record readings as doing it with you. Mm. It's your record. It's not mine. It's your soul's record and wisdom. And so anyway, she, my, my healer's incredible. And she's like, Hannah, you've been doing this for lifetimes. You can 1000% do this. And even before I dropped into the records randomly on the Instagram live, I was at a retreat with her, um, that she was putting on and we did the shaman, the shamanic, um, meditation journey. And I felt this book come out of my chest in, in the, the meditation. And then a few weeks later is when I accidentally dropped into the Akashic records for somebody on an Instagram live. And then, you know, the rest is history. I do Akashic records for people now. 
And it's something I've, I've learned to do. Um, I had only one Akashic record reading after all that happened. I got one because I wanted to see what it was like from this person that I really trusted. Always use discernment with who you choose to work with. Really called to work with this person. Felt really safe and in alignment. Um, got my Akashic record reading and I started reading them for myself thereafter. And then I would ask a few clients, like, can I read your records? Can I go into your records? So I would be doing an energy healing session with them. I do a Reiki session. And I would go into their records before. So access their book and they would come through with a question. So record reading, you ask a question, open-ended questions, and you could literally ask anything from past life questions to current life things. If I'm trying to make a decision about whether to move to the East Coast or the West Coast or move to Europe or South America, we can ask questions about things that we have going on in our lives here and now. And we can also ask how things might be impacting us from past lives or our soul's purpose, or why is this particular thing coming up for me? Or I'm struggling with my health, like what's going on here? What what wisdom and guidance is there for you? So there's so many things, endless things you can ask in the records. And the other thing I'll say about going into the records, when we go into the place of Akasha, um, it's such a high vibrational energy, like nothing untoward or, 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 or sketchy or dark or anything can be there. It's like the highest vibrational energy is so pure. And when we go into that place and we access our record, we could literally just sit there in our own record and not ask or do a thing and receive the healing. It is a healing every time I access the records for myself or others. And the beautiful thing about me doing record readings with people, I get the benefit of the healing that comes through with them at the same time. It's so juicy and amazing. I'm so honored to be able to do that with people. And I receive the healing as well. And the activation and the wisdom in my own way, when I'm, you know, channeling their record reading, and it's always getting the other person who's receiving the reading to participate enhances the record reading by like tenfold. I didn't do that in the beginning when I started doing record readings. It was just kind of me channeling. Sure. After I've accessed their book of their soul, they've asked a few questions, but now I have the other person participate, whether that's talking a little bit more about their question or diving in or telling me what they're experiencing when they've asked that question or somatically even, and what they're getting intuitively and collaborating that way, it just unfolds in the most incredible way. I know that was a lot. And again, I it's kind of up here and I'm always very mindful of trying to bring it down as relatable as possible of why we would go into the records, but you can truly learn anything and everything. And they're actually went in the records 15 minutes before this interview. <laughs> I love that. And you did a really great job of explaining it. And I just, for everyone listening, there will be information on how to connect with Hannah in the show notes. We're not done with the interview, but I guarantee you there are people listening right now. They're like, okay, I want to book one of those with Hannah. Cause even as I was listening, I was like, I haven't had an Akashic records reading in a long time. Maybe I should book one of these with Hannah. This sounds Ooh. awesome. The way you describe it, it sounds very natural for you, like something that um, is a really natural gift. And also the way that you described it being a collaborative process with the person that you're doing the inter or you're doing the reading for, that just feels like unique and special to me. I think that's really cool. Oh, thanks, Brittany. It's been such an evolution and like of trusting myself and I think it, it needed to come much later. Like I said, the seeds had been planted of Akashic Records for years now. And when I was finally, you know, in a, I 
done a, a lot of work with trust, with self-trust and healing that a it was a real wound for me um, and healing that and stepping into my intuitive gifts in a really big way. It like unlocked everything and I do do it in a unique way. So that's why I, I said, you're going to Google and you're going to find so many different results and somebody's going to do it differently than I am. And they may right. even, you know, it's going to be totally different, but the way I do it, I thank you for that feedback of hearing how natural that feels because it mm -hmm. truly is through my own intuitive senses, the way that this has just been discovered. And with the clients that I do it with, they just receive epic healing that really just transforms them over and over and over again. And like the benefits of a reading like that, just keep going for weeks and months and months and months. And you get to like build on it and bask in the juiciness of it. It's really special. Mm, cool. Sounds amazing. Let's see. Okay. So, um, I think the what I want to make sure that I ask you is it sounds like you, you know, you had this career as a teacher, you realized that wasn't for you. And that was all part of your spiritual awakening. Did you, well, first of all, did you have a spiritual upbringing or was spirituality new to you? Spirituality in the sense that it was separate from religion was new mm. to me. I grew up in a Southern Baptist household and um, pretty intense. Okay. Um, a lot of hellfire brimstone, a lot of fear-based teaching. Like I've experienced a lot of trauma connected to religion. So that's been a total journey for me, not only yeah. with inner child work, but also reconciling my spirituality and yeah. um, stepping away from the, the church and religion and discovering like what feels true and authentic for me. But now, Brittany, as you say that, a part of my spiritual awakening, realizing you would ask me like realizing when was it, did it go from like a personal journey and maybe it's some healing in there to realizing the spiritual awakening. I, I started feeling a call to like connect to something greater than me, but I knew it wasn't going to look the way that it did as a child, as a teenage girl, even like, and, and experiencing a lot of trauma connected to religion. So I started looking at spiritual <laughs> gatherings near me. I think that's some of the things I was Googling at the time, like I would love a community. I would love people that are talking about this stuff, but I didn't even know it as spirituality. I just knew I was like being drawn to something and I knew it wasn't going to look like the way I grew up. And I found, I, and I never went, but I found this, like you, I think it was Unitarian kind of quote unquote oh, church. Yep. I don't know if they use a particular like mm -hmm. book. I don't know if they use the Bible, if they use like several different kind of religions in there. That was the yep. only thing that I found closest, but I actually never went just by like me delving into that. That's when I learned more about spirituality and like manifestation and law of attraction and the, like calling it the universe and source energy. And then I learned about Reiki and like channeling life force energy. So that led me down to the spiritual path because I was looking for something greater than but different from the way I grew up. And I was looking for like connection. I was yearning so badly for connection. So thank you for unlocking this memory. I just, I remember when I was around the time I was leaving teaching, I, I just, I knew I needed that connection. Like my heart was literally pulling me towards it. Did you have the experience at some point of needing to come out of the spiritual closet? Oh yeah. <laughs> How, okay. I would love to, I think it's so helpful because there's probably a lot of people listening who are newly out of the spiritual closet or are still in there. So yeah. could you share a little bit about that experience? Totally. And just the serendipitous nature of this. I know it's the name of your podcast. I, I did a, an episode on my own podcast called coming out of the spiritual closet because oh, I was like, I think I, I just, isn't that crazy? It's very serendipitous of like how that transpired and just, just 
kind of full circle moment right now, but I started doing this, all the spiritual stuff, all this woo woo stuff. I used to always call it stuff. And I think that's a lot of people call it in private. And then I was sharing with my partner. We were living together at the time, um, about to get married and I was very open with him and he, he grew up, um, much more open-minded than my family. And I've always been incredibly open-minded, which is why like the, what I was learning in the church just never sat well with me. Even as a young kid, I asked a lot, a lot, a lot of questions and they did not like that. Um, I would often get in trouble for that or like really call down and like, you know, shrink small, you know, with shame of, of like asking these big questions that no one could really answer. Um, and yeah. you using, you know, hate to justify certain things. So I started talking to my husband or my fiance at the time. And I would have like crystals around. I got my first Oracle deck. And I remember feeling like I have to hide. I have to hide all of this. I don't know. Like if, if my family ever came over, I would sweep my entire apartment of any books, journals, crystals, Oracle decks, anything that indicated any of this stuff, because I thought they're going to think I'm doing witchcraft. Like they're going to think, and they're going to tell me, you know, you're going to hell and all these things. Um, so I literally would get them and, and put them away. I did that probably for like two years. And so I was coming out of the spiritual closet to my very close people. So my best friends, my husband, um, and then I started doing Reiki energy work and I learned Reiki and I didn't tell almost anyone for a year and a half. I was too scared. I was too scared. They were going to ask me, wait, what? And I was going to have to explain this concept that still felt so new to me and that felt so different, but also the same of like some of the stuff I learned, you know, about Jesus and the way that, you know, healing touch and some of these things, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to think that I'm trying to (laughs) do. I was so scared. I was so scared. And religious trauma will do that to you, but also will, so will like uh, wounds with self-trust and self-doubt. And so will past life wounds of, you know, the, we call the witch wound or, or things like that. So yeah, that was a little bit of my journey. I hid a lot. And I would skirt around subjects. And I, even when I started my podcast, Brittany, my podcast is your spiritual BFF. I was like really still um, watering down what I was sharing for my first few episodes. And then, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I, I think I have to talk about past lives, Akashic records, spirit babies, spirit guides. I think I need to start talking about this. And so I came, I quote unquote, came out in the spiritual closet through my podcast, but on my social media too. And, you know, I had cultivated an amazing community, but I also had people on there that I went to high school and college with. And I was so afraid what they were going to say and like sharing these things. I was afraid, was terrified somebody was going to call me out because of my experience with like that having happened when I would question things as a young child. I'm trying to kind of like reflect on this now, even Brittany and going like, when did it all happen? It didn't happen one giant way. It was just a little at a time. When I started my business though, um, I called it life coaching. I deep down wanted it to be spiritual coaching, but I couldn't even admit to myself that that's what I wanted to do. So I literally lied to myself, to my family, to my friends, to my in-laws, to my parents, um, even to my husband of like, Oh, I'm going to do life coaching. I'm going to support women and their empowerment and like, you know, help them find their voice and like talk to their boss about getting raises at work and finding new jobs and interviewing. And like, I had to quote unquote, legitimize it in that way. Yeah. And 
that's when I started realizing the work I was doing with people in these sessions. Yeah. Maybe they were coming for life coaching. Like one girl, I think I worked with her and she got a $25,000 raise at work. I mean, that's incredible after two or three sessions together. And I'm thinking this is incredible, but I don't feel like fulfilled, but actually the stuff we worked on during sessions for her to feel confident enough to talk to her boss and ask for the raise was like inner healing work. So I was doing it, but I wasn't calling it that. And for legitimacy purposes to my family and friends and my husband, even myself, I just kept calling it that. And eventually I just started changing some of the words on my Instagram. I would start changing some of the words and the verbiage on my website to kind of like, hopefully people will see these key words and know that I'm into this stuff. I was watering it down. I was skirting around, but I was, I was coming out little by little by little. And all the time though, on my Instagram, I was talking about manifestation work, spirituality well before I started a business. And so I converted my personal Instagram account to a business account. So people had been following me and like loving the manifestation content. I would just come on and tell people like, I read this book or I heard this thing, or I was just so excited about it. I never thought it would be a business ever, ever, ever. I never thought I would have my business. Let me tell you, like I would listen to people, you know, podcasts, like that was my like bread and butter, that and books when I first started my spiritual awakening journey. And I would hear them talk about entrepreneurship. I'm like, skip, skip, skip ahead, skip ahead. I thought that'll never be me. And look at me now. It's just so wild. So I was sharing these things that I was just finding along my journey on my personal Instagram stories for years and years. And so I found, you know, people's incredible feedback. Like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Hannah. You're like getting really into this stuff. And I was like, Oh wait, people are watching me that like scared me so much. So I came out little by little by little. I mean, now the door is like wide open and I'm like yeah. inviting people in and like, like, let's do this thing. Like, let's do this. Like, let's get out there. And it's not as scary for me anymore, but it was totally a gradual process. Cool. Yeah. 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 I can definitely relate to that. The first, there were people when I published the first episode of this podcast coming out of the spiritual closet, there were some close friends in my life that had no idea about my spirituality. And I said in the first episode, I'm actually coming out of the spiritual closet right now. Wow. But I can definitely relate because up until that moment, same kind of thing, very gradual, very like just little, little bits here and there, very watered down, like yeah. and finding like safe ways to do it. So, I mean, there's something to be said for that. There's finding like safe, like safe to your nervous system, right? Yes. Safe ways to do it and talk about these things. And my, my husband was so accepting and just like, listen, like whatever you want to do, he was so cool about it that way. And I always, I so appreciate him being that way. Cause it helped me be fully myself at home. Oh um, yeah. So that I could like normalize it for myself and cultivate safety within my nervous system of like these, these new beliefs and the old beliefs that I was letting go of and the shift and the out, just all the growing up and the evolution of me, um, that really supported me and actually starting to open up more to him so I can cultivate that within so that when I was ready to come out of the spiritual closet to like people, <laughs> I could feel really confident in doing so and, and know that I'm going to be okay. Even if somebody doesn't agree with this or somebody calls me out, but nobody did, nobody was like, texting me, like saying all these things or like blasting me. I just, I made up all these stories of like, oh, this is going to happen. Somebody's going to blast me or they're going to call my mom. None of that happened. Right. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. I could totally relate to that. And I'm sure so many people listening can too. Yes. It's, it's a process and absolutely doing it at the pace. There's no one right way to do it. Doing yeah. it at the pace that feels right for you and your nervous system is always the way to go. Absolutely. Well, Hannah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. If people would like to work with you, how, how do they find you? How can they do that? 
Yes. Thanks, Brittany. Um, I am over on Instagram at Hannah Johnson coaching. I love hanging out in the stories. So if you give me a follow, always hanging out in my stories and um, you can always send me a DM and say, hello. I love chatting with people and just hearing where you're at in your journey, what you're into. Um, the other thing I wanted to share about where to find me is uh, I interviewed Brittany here on my podcast. So that'll be episode 83 embrace fear to take back your power and follow your intuition. So episode 83 on your spiritual BFF, that's my podcast. So over on Instagram, come hang out with me there and my podcast, your spiritual BFF and listen to Brittany's episode, episode 83. Ooh, exciting. You know, I was born in 1983, so that's perfect. Feels like a great, feels like a great synchronicity. That was meant to be another synchronicity. Oh, it's yes. just an episode of synchronicities with us, Brittany. Thank I love it. And Julie, this is so special. Oh yeah. It's been amazing. And everyone, Hannah's podcast, your spiritual BFF is awesome. So you do definitely want to check it out. If you enjoy coming out of the spiritual closet, I guarantee that you're going to enjoy your spiritual BFF. They're very, very much in the same realm. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me. And I will have all of that information in the show notes and thank you to everyone listening. I will catch you next week. Thanks.